Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? No one at all. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Hey, 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 friends. It's Pastor Tanya here with the Pastor David Vidal. It's so nice to have you back at home after <laughs> your long retreat. Thank you. Thank you. We're here talking about a different breed. Pastor Dave's message from this Sunday. It was phenomenal. It was deep. It was meaty. Go back, check it out and just get it in you. Being born again, it's so much more than just that prayer at the altar. And true, it will start that way. But something miraculous happens in the heart of an individual who truly submits themselves to the lordship of Jesus. Yeah, it changes us from the inside out over a period of time and sets us up for the victorious life. He's so good. And in this message, you quoted Dwight L. Moody saying that the Bible will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from the Bible. Ooh, that's good. I know. I love me some <laughs> Moody, man. He's so good. Love me some Moody. <laughs> There's a series of messages in the YouTube archive about living a successful Christian life that I think our listeners would really appreciate. And you taught that sin has a desire of its own, but part of the born-again experience frees us from the power and control of that desire. You also talked about the now infamous faith movement, but the faith movement wasn't unbiblical, was it? No, the, the faith movement wasn't unbiblical, yet some of the teachings became unbiblical. Some of the uh, philosophy and some of the doctrine that came out of that went in a, in a bad direction. And that shouldn't really come as a surprise right. to people because the corruption of man and sin nature is within us and will take any occasion it can to monkey things up. I, I like the, the book... The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. I love that one. Yeah, and it talks about how Wormwood goes through and, and puts things into practice, even generations beforehand, and young, early on in the life of a believer, will put things into play, and they the enemy goes to cruise control. The enemy isn't omnipresent like God is. God's omnipresent. But the enemy can feel omnipresent, because he will put things, practices into play that will cause you to self-destruct all on your own. It will cause you to act and behave in a way that tears your own life apart. Some people might be inclined to say, the enemy is hounding me, he's all over me, he's, he's doing all these things to make my life terrible. And that might be true. Maybe he's doing that. But maybe, and more likely, because the enemy is not omnipresent, he's not committed, he's not loyal, you know, so he gets distracted, he's, he's going to go on to bigger and better things, and he doesn't care about you that much. <laughs> he just hates you, yeah. right? There, there are things that he will put in your life, behaviors that he has convinced you to make, and he can take his hands off the wheel. He can leave and go pester somebody else, 
because he knows that your behavior is going to cause your own life to self-destruct. So it's like picking the fruit of the seeds he's planted. Exactly. It's like somebody who never gets along in the workplace. Like there's always people in the workplace that just never get along with their, their boss always acts like this or, you know, how come when so-and-so is driving, all of a sudden all the jerks are on the road? How come all uh-huh. the jerks aren't on the road in the other times, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like the same problem again and again and again. And that person might have an awakening and be like, oh, the enemy is hounding me. Yes, maybe the enemy is hounding you. But more likely, maybe the enemy convinced you to act in a certain way that he knew was, had a high probability of causing you to train wreck your life. Wow. Time after time. So robbing our peace. Yeah, not just robbing our peace, but robbing our state of mind and convincing us to behave in a way that's contradictory to the spirit. And whenever we act in a way that's contradictory to the spirit, we can expect equal and sometimes worse opposition. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of why the faith movement had become so corrupt is because corruptible man, corrupted man had his way in it. The The other thing, though, I don't think it was just that. I definitely think that was part of it. The The other part is that the enemy will always try to derail the great moves of God. Hmm. Whenever there's a truth of God's word and a, a movement of God, you can all, the enemy's not going to like that. He's going to get onto that thing and, and do his best to make it look bad. The media is going to pump it up. The media doesn't, the media loves nothing more than a pastor or a Christian in scandal, mm-hmm. whether it's a money scandal or a sex scandal, or they just love defaming God and defaming God's people. And there's absolutely zero grace. You know, you see these people from Hollywood and they live these crazy promiscuous lifestyles and it's almost celebrated. Mm-hmm. And you, you get uh, somebody in the Christian faith who makes a really, really horrible mistake. Usually they're quite repentant and embarrassed about it. And, you know, they're, they, they suffer greatly in their families and in their churches. The penalty is quite high. And then the media turns around and, and also tries to, um, to crucify them or vilify them. And, and I'm not saying that uh, such shame or vilification shouldn't happen. It's bad, for the, it's bad for the Christian, but it's also bad. There is a double standard. It's also bad for the Hollywood elite. It's, it's also bad for your average lay person. They just love it because it, it looks like oh, we're all a bunch of hypocrites because we're all running around on our spouses or we're all cheating people out of money or whatever the thing is. So the enemy's always going to try to derail a move of God. I would just say uh, to our listeners, just as a point of wisdom, if you see these things that start off with a very sound biblical foundation and somehow they, they get off there's probably some good stuff there. We were always taught to be smarter than the cows, to chew up the hay and to spit out the sticks. <laughs> like you got to be smarter than a cow. You can look at some of the stuff that's in the faith movement and go, oh, that's not biblical. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're not going to do that. That doesn't gel. Yeah, that's not biblical. That's not okay. This isn't wise. But that doesn't mean we just throw the whole thing out. doesn't mean we dis- discard the whole thing because there was an, a very, very important move of God that he was trying to bring forth in humanity that the enemy was trying to thwart. The enemy was trying to, to stop that thing. So uh, anytime that we can be talked out of biblical things, that's a big win for the enemy. And we should never be talked out of speaking, like using our voice, speaking out, that we should never be talked out of declaring, mm. declaring the word of God over our lives. And this is where the faith movement got a little silly because they started making declarations about things that had really nothing to do with God, you know, and they were just kind of this blanket 
we can have whatever we want, which is actually like new age theology, right? where we can just speak out into the universe and we can create our own worlds by saying the words and by thinking on something hard enough. That's and, the law of attraction. Yeah. Yes, right. So, so um, there is a, a type of law of attraction uh, for believers. It's called the law of faith mm-hmm. and the spirit of faith yes. and the law of sowing and reaping, which <laughs> the world calls karma, mm-hmm. uh, which works a little differently. Obviously, it's skewed yeah. towards the world. There's always the the enemy is always going to do this bait and switch where he's like, he's going to wipe out that thing that he doesn't like. He's going to wipe out that truth of that principle of God and then switch it with something that sound. It's got just enough. Mm. Look, if you're going to poison an animal, you can't just throw out a bunch of poison. They're never going to eat it, right? You have to put a little bit of poison into like a, a bit of meat or a, some, something that they're, that's enticing to them. And so this is exactly how the enemy works. He'll have just enough truth that makes you want to bite on it, mm. but it's filled with poison yeah. and, and corruption. And so that's, that's the same, it's the same old story. I mean, it gets really tired, honestly, Pastor Tanya, it gets really tired dealing with it and thinking about it because if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you've seen this happen repeatedly over and over and over again. And that's because the enemy is not creative. There's nothing good in him. (laughs) He's just persistent. If you can say one good thing about the enemy, it's that. He's, right. he's persistent, but he's not patient. He's not creative. He's the worst of everything. He's such a loser, honestly. He, he really is. And the things that he does only amplify who he is. You know, he's, he's the father of lies. He lies all the time. You know, just that's, that's what he do. If there's a lie involved, you know the enemy's involved. There's so many things. There's been so many moves of God that are, that are powerful, that are important, that started off really, really well. And we as Christians would do well not to let the world make us give up our stuff. Right. This is our stuff. Speaking the word, declaring the word over our lives, believing God's promises over our lives. This is our stuff. Praying for people. I am not going to allow the world to make me think that my prayers are somehow not valuable or that they don't somehow change things. They do change things because God says they change things. That's right. And they change things because I've seen them change things. That Now it's too late for me. I've already seen it and I've already experienced it. Some people don't have that benefit. They don't know what it's like to declare the word over their lives. And those things are important, but also important is what you're declaring and why you're declaring that. Like what heart are they coming out of? That's good. And that's really, yeah. And that's really what's gonna kind of determine whether this is hay or sticks. Now, Joshua 1.8 teaches that we can have a prosperous and successful life by keeping God's word in our hearts and meditating on it daily. When you hear the word meditation, most of us think of new agey practices. I remember one time I was in the store with my daughter and she was little and they were teaching this in her school. And she asked me, have you ever played Rome? And I was like, Rome, what's that? So she just plops herself down in the middle of the aisle, sits crisscross and puts her hands on her knees and went, Rome. <laughs> and for her, that was that was meditation. <laughs> but it's kind of the same thing that the enemy did to the faith movement, right? He tries to convince people that it's something else so that the people of God are robbed of that Exactly. Faith. It's this bait and switch. Oh. It's, it's not that. It's this. It's so tricky. It's awful. 
So how do we, as believers, how do we meditate in a way that's biblical? How do we meditate so that we're not just playing Rome? The Bible says that we are supposed to meditate on the Word of God. Meditation is our stuff, okay? Stuff, things in the faith movement, that's our stuff. Speaking, declaring, believing. This is our stuff. How long are we going to let crystals? Crystals belong to God. That's our stuff. Rainbows. Rainbows belong to the Christians. The triangle, the color purple, all of these things are very, very strong Christian symbols. And yet we so willingly give up to the world our stuff. I think part of stewardship demands that we not only protect our stuff, but we go back and take the stuff that belongs to us. Mm, definitely. We bring it back into God's kingdom. We say, this is God's stuff. You've misused it. That's not what this represents. These, these are God's things. And it's this, the same is true with meditation. Meditation is not about sitting crisscross with your hands on your lap saying Rome <laughs> or whatever, whatever you know, uh, frequencies you're trying to lock into. And when we think about meditation, immediately we and other people, Christians, everyone thinks of this other thing. And that is really, and not to compliment the enemy, but that was really like, hey, he did, he did a good job with that one. You know, you got everybody thinking that that's what it's about. That's what it means. Matter of fact, he's got, he's got us believing that's what meditation looks like to the point that Christians are scared of the idea of meditation. And when you say meditation, they go, mm, I, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds dark. That sounds new agey. Right. That sounds like the occult. Mm -hmm. I don't want to meditate. God created meditation and he used those actually comes from the word metanoia. And it means for us to, to focus in. And there's all kinds of ways that really practical, very, very simple ways that, that Christians can meditate and, and put meditation in, into their normal Christian life, their normal Christian practice. And without it, it's very, very difficult. Without meditation, it's very, very difficult to be a successful Christian long term. And so it makes perfect sense why the enemy would put such great effort into making meditation look like something that it isn't. So that even though Christians might go, okay, I recognize that that's in the Bible, they still say, oh, I'm scared of that. That looks scary to me. Mm. So let me give you some really practical, very, very simple ways that Christians can and should meditate. The first one is this, write it down. Write down the word. Well, what do I write down? Write down the word exactly as you read it. Whatever scripture you're reading, write it down. Write it on a three by five card, write it on in a journal, write it on a sticky note and put it in places. If any of you listeners ever come to the Vital House, you are definitely gonna see three by five cards and sticky notes in some random places in the house, maybe on the fridge, maybe on a door, maybe on a bathroom mirror because something jumped out to us and we're believing for something, we're standing for something and we're putting those scriptures up as reminders to us. And so that's a normal practice in our house. It should be a normal practice in your house as well. And if you're not a journaler, uh, you know, you don't have to write about, oh, this is, yeah, I saw this cute boy today and this is how, I, you know, like, yeah, I'm not talking about that, but your, your spiritual journal can look more like here are the scriptures that stuck out to me. Like, so let's say I'm reading a specific chapter and one of those sentences in the chapter stuck out to me. Write it down. 
like word for word, write down what you saw. That's a, a way to meditate. These other methods that I'm going to give you about how to meditate, you want to put all of these together. You don't want to just pick, pick and choose your favorite ones. In order to meditate, you should use all of these things, okay? So the first one is to write down scripture. Write it down just exactly as it's written, three by five card, sticky note, whatever, journal, write it down. The next thing is to quiet down, to get still. We like to say you've got two ears and one mouth. Mm -hmm. So you should be doing twice as much listening as you are speaking. So just quiet down. Turn off the cell phone. Get away from the distractions in the room. You could put on some soft music if you want to. doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, quote unquote Christian music. Right. Instrumental music is fine. You know, something soft. But something that's going to help to quiet your mind and quiet the surroundings and just just quiet down get still and and listen the third thing is to reason and what i mean by reason is ask god to show you things and then talk to him just ask him very simply god show me about such and such whatever that thing is in a previous episode we talked about becoming an expert in uh an, an idea that you like you know a biblical idea maybe it's angels so if that were the case, you could say, God, show me something about angels, and then listen to him. The next is to speak and imagine. Ponder the scripture and then picture it in your mind's eye. The enemy works so hard. Your imagination is so powerful. And the enemy works really, really hard to get us convinced that imagination is for children and that once we're adults, we don't need to have imagination anymore. It's very, very important that we imagine. He also, so he'll work on the other side of that aisle too. The other side of that aisle is, well, if I can imagine it, I can have it. Mm. Okay, so that's new age. So the enemy doesn't care if you get off on one side or the other side. He just, he just wants you off. Some Christians have made an idol out of the imagination, right? If I can just imagine this thing, if I can just visualize it. So that's not what I'm talking about, okay? So speak and imagine. Ponder scripture and picture it in your mind's eye. That's imagination. Let's pick a real easy one. Okay. David and Goliath. So you're reading the story about David and Goliath. After you read the story, close your eyes and imagine the story in your mind. I'm not talking about imagining things that you like imagining a Maserati to appear in your, in your garage. That's not what I'm talking. That's a misuse of your imagination, right? That's the, right. the Bible calls those vain imaginations. We're actually not supposed to do that. This, there's a lot of new agey stuff that never says this thing doesn't work. It says, don't do it, wow. right? Like talking to the dead, for example. The Bible says, don't do it. Right, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's really good warning just to us to say, hey, don't fall into these traps because they are set. Yeah, don't, don't be so wowed by the mysticism of it all. Don't be so wowed that like, oh, hey, I did this and it worked. This thing happened. Well, yeah, it's called the occult. It's witchcraft. But there's a way that we can use our imagination. So, so ponder that scripture and then imagine that scripture in, in your mind's eye. The next one is to feel God's heart. So you've got that imagination, right? Like I'm watching this interchange between David and Goliath. I'm, I'm imagining this thing go down. I'm watching. I can see that happening. Ask God what it reveals about his heart. You have this great imagery of this handsome but ruddy boy, David, out there with his sling and some stones. And 
he's talking trash to this big giant. The giant's talking trash to him, and he whips this rock at him, runs over there, jumps on his belly, pulls out his own sword, and cuts his head off. <laughs> so you can imagine that in your mind's eye, right? Play that whole thing out, and then start to ask God what it reveals about his heart. And that, that plays into this next one, which is to hear God's rhema. The rhema is the spoken word of God. And that's what we're listening for. When somebody says, I heard God speak or God said to me, they're talking about rhema. They're talking about this, this word that comes in. It's not like a word they read from the Bible. It's a word that they, that they heard spiritually. That's the rhema word of God. And then ask what he's speaking. And I would suggest that you write that down. So you ask God what he's speaking. And when you think you hear from God, when you hear his words, write it down. The, the last thing that you need to do when you're meditating biblically is to act. So how do I act on what I wrote down, what I listened to when I quieted down, what I reasoned, what I imagined, what I felt God's heart was, what I thought he was saying? When it comes down to act, you verify whatever or any revelation that you received while you were meditating. You verify it by scrubbing it against the word of God. His revelation, his rhema, will always tie in to the written word. God will never give you a revelation beyond his written word. So if you cannot verify it through the word, it was bad pizza. There you go. You have to be able to verify it with the word. But you also have to allow yourself to go through this practice. And I say practice mm -hmm. for a reason. Doctors practice medicine. Why do they say that? Because they don't always get it right. Mm -hmm. We're human. We're fallible. We're not always going to get it right. And we have to hold these things with an open hand and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. So we've got to write it down, quiet down, reason, speak, imagine, feel God's heart, listen for the rhema, write all this stuff down so that I can do this last part. I can act on it. And my first part of acting on it is to verify it with the word of God. If I can verify it with the word of God and everything checks out, now I might have to repent <laughs> right? I might have to turn because if God's giving me a course correct, there might be some repentance involved. I also might have to remove some obstacles that were in the way of this thing happening. God said to do this, and here was these obstacles. I got to move those obstacles out of the way. I've repented, and now I'm going to actually act on the revelation that I got while I was meditating. Thank you for making this list. It is so practical and easy which is surprising because I think we as people make the things of God and learning the things of God and, and moving in them, we make it so hard. But this doesn't sound hard. So thank you for doing that. We're here in the studio talking about a different breed. Pastor Dave's message that he released to us last Sunday. Go back and listen to it. Follow the YouTube. Follow the link. Thanks once again for listening. And we will catch up next time. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. There's no one